This week, can you believe manufacturers' claims about RV insulation? Can you walk on your roof if there's no ladder? It's our third edition of RV myth busting. That and a whole lot more. This is the RV Miles Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by L.L. Bean, who invite you to simply step outside this summer. With expert tips and advice, L.L. Bean can help you get more out of every moment outdoors. Here's a tip. Set yourself up for easy backyard adventures by leaving a tote bag with the essentials right by the door, sunscreen, bug spray, and a few hats or pairs of sunglasses. Now you'll never need to search your house to find them. For more fun ideas, easy how-tos, and inspiring stories, visit llbean.com slash guide. Welcome to episode 242 of the RV Miles Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby. And we are two full-time travelers who have been crisscrossing North America on one epic road trip since 2016. Here at RV Miles, we talk all things RV and outdoors, from industry news to our national parks, travel destinations, and so much more. I wanted to kick this show off today with, uh, with this article from Campendium about new urban parks that are coming to Canada. Canada has a national parks program just like we do they have some really great national parks up yes, in Canada. I'm aware. they also have a national urban parks program which was Ooh. launched in 2021 which is about creating park spaces in urban environments but it's more than just you know your standard city park these are real big green spaces and even some with rv spots within them how cool is that to be able to stay in an RV in a park in a city? That would be absolutely amazing. Or as you say, a game, a game changer. changer. There, there have been times, <laughs> there, there are a few places I can think of where we've stayed mm-hmm. in a park that is within city limits or close. There's that Seven Points Army Corps of Engineers campground yep. that's within Nashville city limits. Mm-hmm. It still takes you about you know 25 minutes to get to anything. Mm-hmm. But I, I think there needs to be a heck of a lot more of this. Type I mean, of if thing. we could do something like that in Chicago, yeah. in and around LA, San Francisco, I mean, I'm just kind of like throw, throwing things out here, but just some of these major cities that, in order to kind of RV and get to them, it's a, it's a little bit difficult. I mean, in Chicago, unless you stay at McCormick Place and boondock on or parking lot, just camp. You're looking at probably a 45-minute drive minimum, minimum into the city center. Yeah. They're thinking about doing a lot more of this. They're putting a lot of money into creating these parks. Um, the RVing portion of it is not necessarily the thrust of it at all. Yeah. But I, it, this brought up to me a bigger question that I think we see a lot of in sort of comments on Facebook and YouTube and stuff about our lifestyle and about what a lot of other people do when, you know, the folks that are like, that's not camping. That ain't camping, towing your 40 foot home around with you, wherever you go. That ain't camping. If you've got to be plugged um, in, you're not camping. Well, and, and to, to me, it, it goes to this thing um, that I think a lot of people say about RVing that it's about getting away. It's about getting back to nature. And um, it, it's about, being in the middle of nowhere and being away from people. And I think, you know, for some people, 
that's the case. And I think for us, that's the case sometimes. What about those who already live in nature? Sure. Like, what if they want to get away to the big city? <laughs> exactly. I, you know, like, I, what if they want to have the urban vibe experience? And then to be able to do that in your own RV, which will drastically cut down the cost yeah. of going to places like that. But also, everyone's definition of getting away is completely different and yeah. there's no wrong way to do it. How we do it is not right or wrong. It's how we do it and how our friends here are listening or watching how they experience their RV life is how they experience. Well, I think there's many as many reasons that people RV as there are that people use hotels. Right. I mean, you use hotels for business. You use hotels for uh, staying in while your home is getting fixed up. There are... <laughs> or your husband's having brain surgery. <laughs> yeah. or you know. It's just temporary living accommodations, which, by the way, is really what the definition of camping is. So when people say that ain't camping, and I know a lot of RVers, too, say, well, what I do isn't camping. It is. I mean, if you don't want to call it camping, that's fine. You don't call it camping. But uh, to me, staying in a cabin is camping. Having temporary living accommodations where you really kind of do things yourself. You don't have room service. You know, you, you, you're cooking your own food. You're <sighs> making your own bed and stuff. You're camping. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know we were going to get to our black tank so quickly in the show. <laughs> <laughs> we no, just I mean, dove right into that. It, it's, it's great that uh, I've been saying for a while that I wish that more municipalities would be thinking about RVing as a way to bring tourism in because we see all these instances often of RV parks being denied in places because mm -hmm. they think that they're going to turn into sort of trailer park living. Not that there's anything wrong with that Nothing either. Wrong with that. Um, but, but it's always like a, you know, a not my backyard concern about uh, property values and stuff like that. And, the world is changing. It really has. I mean, the COVID boom in RV life, which really began before COVID, has really changed the way that Americans travel. There are a lot more RVers, whether you think a lot of people are going to sell off their RVs now that the, there are economy issues or what have you. Still, there are more RV owners now mm -hmm. than there ever have been, and that will continue. Well, if you are watching, speaking of using things for RVs, if you're watching the show, we are actually back in our RV. We're back in our home, but we're back in our studio, but we're not fully actually back into the RV yet. We no, had we, been... somebody had somebody had a keen eye last time and noticed that one of our slides <laughs> is in. Yeah, um, and that is specifically because we are keeping the RV on some friend's property and they have been kind enough to let us plug in. They actually have a little hookup for the RV, but because it's so darn hot, we're not putting all of our slides out in an attempt to keep it as cool in here as possible while also not using their power as much for keeping the AC pretty high, but also just just to try and keep sure. things a little bit cool in here. Sure. There's also a big old tree right outside you that think, slide. No, you think we can't get that out. I don't know what you're talking about. You act like we're right up against the trunk of the tree. It's a branch. Well, it's a lot of branches. It's a branch. Oh, okay. And if we wanted to get it out, we could, but we don't want to. But we are really glad to be back in our home studio. As we tend to do when this happens, though, mm. we have everything torn up. I oh, mean, it's you, a mess if you're looking in here. at this on camera, it, it looks fine, I guess. But. 
there, the stuff that is out of the shot is uh, we have taken our dinette set out. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to put that in storage and we're going to make some sort of desk configuration over there. Yep. Uh, we always sort of just like go through and organize all the cabinets and I, organize all the food and take all the food out because it can't get hot. And That's uh, the thing. Like we, we had to unload all the food yeah. and it's sitting, you know, downstairs at the bar of your parents' house. And really what it is though, is that it's such a, uh, it's such a good time to try and do some of those things because we're out of this. So I can come over here or you can come over. Or we both can, and we can kind of tear this place apart, but nobody's here. Nobody has to sleep in it. Nobody has to, you know, we don't have to try and navigate life here because we're actually all with family over in their wonderful homes and spending time with them. So, you know, and of course, we decide, oh, well, we're putting on more solar or we're doing this. And so then that changes the configuration of things yeah. in regards to weight. You know, weight is always an issue. And so if we're going to add more solar, which we are, the panels are here, then we have to get in here and we have to decide, like, how many T-shirts does Jason really need? Yeah, it's my T-shirts that are holding. Let's, let's, don't, I mean, don't, if this don't. is going to go back to the, <laughs> you hold that coffee mug up. Mm -hmm. Jason's T-shirts way in the RV down. Come on. <laughs> Actually, I think it's, why do we have DVDs? Does any, okay, so question for all my full-time friends out there. Because you can't get rid of them. It, it, I had to, mm. I had to drag you kicking and screaming to, take the cases away and put the actual discs into a book so i don't remember any of this <laughs> i don't remember you, kicking i don't remember screaming okay, you, i certainly yeah. don't remember caring that much about whether or not busy town it's not, DVD it's not was busy town it's you know titanic <laughs> it's, it's all the movies that we we don't have titanic on, on Look, he could have fit he could have fit on that door okay it is the greatest controversy in modern cinema, what are, what are your, he, he could have fit on the door. What your, your all your sort of old timey, uh, all your old Jane, all, all, your old timey Jane Austen stuff. Oh, stop! It's all it's. Uh, we don't need it now. It's all on our phones. Exactly. So four hundred pounds. Four hundred pounds of DVDs are are going away. Four hundred pounds. Yeah, that's going <laughs> to save us about ten pounds max. I maybe don't think, five pounds. I don't think you've picked up that. <laughs> that CD case they're all in because we also have CDs. Yeah. Why do we have CDs here? Well, it's your music, so it's good music. <laughs> don't want to ever be without. Good we don't music. have a CD player. Don't ever. <laughs> we ev don't have a CD you player. You should never be without good music. <laughs> you just don't know when you're going to want to listen to Death Cab for Cutie. Okay, we should take a break. Let's take a break, and when we come back, we're going to bust some myths. Bust some myths. Oh, bust a move. I was going somewhere with that. I couldn't. I couldn't do it. Please leave the uh, improv ad-libs to the professionals. We'll be back in two and two. <laughs> Looking for a one-stop shop for a variety of RV products and replacement parts? eTrailer.com has you covered with a variety of RV items, including towing options, interior accessories, replacement parts, storage, and more. But it doesn't stop with RVs. eTrailer.com even offers automobile accessories, sports activities, recreation, and more. If you need it, they've got it. Shop online from the comfort of your home and receive free shipping in the lower 48 for purchases over $99. Head over to eTrailer.com slash RV Miles to start shopping today. That's eTrailer.com slash RV Miles. We're back and it's time to talk about some myths that need some busting. Yeah, it's been a while since we've uh, 
Yeah, I think it was like things. episode 127 was the last one. Wow. We, we've done two of these before. So this is our third myth-busting episode. Mm-hmm. We should do more of these because they're, they're fun. It's all about things that, you know, people talk about that might not be true. What, uh, yeah. For instance, one that was on the last episode was about whether a pink flamingo in your, in your campsite <laughs> uh, means what, that you're what? open to certain rendezvous. Yeah, and you know... It, it's either I mean, not true... Or Florida has a problem. (laughs) Well, we have you been to the villages? I'm just saying. We heard rumors. We heard rumors about what's going on in the villages. Uh, All right. Myth number one. (laughs) RV living is cheaper than living in a home. That might have been true two years ago. (laughs) Back back when when campsite prices were a little bit lower. Yeah. Back when it was a bit more affordable. Uh, You know... That to me, if I, and we have been saying this from day one, if you're coming into this full-time RVing lifestyle thinking that you are going to save buckets of money, but in order to save buckets of money, you're throwing down money for a new rig, you're throwing down money for a new truck, or you're buying a super expensive motor home. And then you're like, I'm only camping at private campgrounds because I want full hookups. And then I'm going to spend all this money on solar because I'm going to boondock, which is going to save me all kinds of money. But and to do that, I need to spend $5,000 <laughs> first. And you're blowing your home equity by selling your home and buying a, an RV. All these I, things. You have to compare apples to apples, right? I mean, the, we're right. living in 400 square feet. A, a little 400 square foot cabin on you know, the, the size of land that an RV space is. Right. If you could buy that somewhere, that's going to be cheaper than RV living, hands down. For me, what it comes down to is a lot of the ways that you can save money are exactly the same ways that you could save money if you were living in a sticks and bricks. You're eating at home more. You're cutting out your entertainment expenses. You know, you're not driving as far. You're you're not purchasing new furniture or you're not, you know, you're being thrifty. You're finding ways to cut back on your budget. You can cut back on how you camp, but at the same time, it requires you to schedule your life out a year in advance in order to get some of these really hot, really inexpensive campgrounds that everybody wants. So then you're putting all this money up front and then you have to stick to that plan for a year. And if something happens... You know, you're going to lose that deposit. It might not be much, but it starts to add up. And then you're going to be looking for something else last minute. And that's most likely going to be a private campground. And it's going to be expensive. Yeah. There are lots of ways to do this very affordably. You you know, if you're sure. going to be van camping and staying on public lands often and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but really, I think it's looking at it through the wrong lens. Living minimalistically can be a lot more affordable than living you know, outside of your means. Yeah, you That's can, really what it's about. And you can do that in both yeah. arenas. You know, yeah. and I, wa- I want to point out one more thing too, that if you get in, you purchase, say, oh, I'm going to, you know what? No, Abby, I'm purchasing like an old one. I'm, I'm going to get a used RV. Awesome. But then I'm going to gut it and I'm totally going to renovate yeah. it. And I'm going to uh, paint gonna it gonna and I'm going to put new furniture in it. All these things. Yeah. So now you might've saved money purchasing used, but are you not right now in this market really? And then you're gonna go in and you're gonna you're gonna DIY it and you're gonna turn it into the Instagram RV of your dreams. That's expensive. It's expensive to build homes right now. It's expensive to renovate. 
So busting this myth right now is why we can have it on this episode in this year, in 2022. I don't know that we would have put this on here in our first episode back in 2017. That's all relative. I mean, I think, you know, the, the, the same issues apply with housing back yeah. then as well. So it, it's all it's all about how you choose to live. It's still awesome, Man. though, so you should go. You should come join us. All right, Both next up awesome. is a couple things about uh, the way RVs are sold. Let's talk about four-season rated RVs mm, and whether let's. that's actually a thing at all. A lot of people go to an RV dealership and they want a four-season rated RV. They want something that has been rated by that manufacturer um, or by whomever to be used in the winter. That's not a thing. It's just not a thing. There are <laughs> RVs out there <laughs> that, that say they're four season. They say they have a they have a polar package or ice shield or whatever they want to call their their cool weather package. But it's not about camping in the snow in mm-hmm. the frozen tundra of the winter. It's about camping in December in Alabama. Right. I I was, yes, you really need to uh, understand what, when they say four seasons, what season they consider winter. Because for some of us, that winter, their idea of winter is actually fall. There is no official rating system out there. There's nobody out there that's testing these. We did go to our buddy Josh Winters, uh, the RV nerd over at Bish's RV, to chat with him a little bit about this. Um, And he says that there's actually only one place in the RV industry where they actually do this sort of testing, where they test cold weather capabilities mm-hmm. of an RV. And that's at Truma's factory. Truma makes components like uh, air conditioners and water heaters. And Truma has a, a bay that you can drive an RV into and they can actually, you know, bring it down to a certain temperature and you can, they can test whether the pipes freeze and stuff like that. Truma only allows people, according to Josh, that, um, that use their products to use this bay and that's not very many rv manufacturers that come stock with truma's products but there has been a um an inordinate number of rvs in the last few years that say four season on them it's because it's a marketing term whether it's polar package whatever it is it it means they've done some things that make cold weather camping a little bit better they've maybe have put tank heaters on the, uh, on the tanks, though, I've never needed that, and I really actually don't understand it. Um, I've been told it's best really for travel days, but uh, our furnace heats our, our tanks, so that's our thing. It's really – the thing that freezes is the water lines. Mm-hmm. If the if the tanks are frozen, the water lines are beyond gone. <laughs> you're, you're, you're way beyond that. It's, but it's stuff like that, that that makes winter camping a little bit more tolerable you can camp in the winter mm-hmm. they're just things that you need to do often you're gonna need to winterize yes for sure uh, another thing along these lines is the full-time rated rv oh yeah again there's nobody that is rating these rvs for what full-time use it, it means nothing there are many manufacturers whose warranty is not valid if you use the RV full-time. And by mm-hmm. the way, full-time can mean like 180 days out of the year. Yeah. So if you're like, if you're a part-time camper or a snowbird or something, you they might consider you full-time. But 
once you're beyond that warranty situation, it's really, again, it's a marketing thing. It, the, the, usually the ones that are full-time rated are not necessarily built better than the other ones. It's just they put a little bit more money into warranties for that company, which could be a good thing. Um, their warranty service might be awful. You never know. But there, there's nothing that defines full-time rated. It's, it's a meaningless term <laughs> as well. All right, next up. Lights under the RV to deter mice. I think this might be the third myth-busting episode we've done where we've had to talk about we, mice. We talk because, about mice a lot. <laughs> yes, because there are a lot of, if you do this, if you use Irish spring soap, it'll keep the mice away. No, it won't. So this one is a really hot one right now, and that is well, lights under your rig. It's because, you know, so people started putting lights under their RVs at campgrounds, mm -hmm. and now RV manufacturers are putting them on underneath. And I actually really love sort of the underglow blue light. Which we had on trailing. We had it on the Pioneer because you can turn that on and not turn your bright white out yes. lights, outside lights on. And you can see where you're walking in the campsite without lighting up the whole place and attracting bugs and all that. Mm -hmm. um, but <laughs> it doesn't really do anything for mice. So mice do there's not no care. reason to leave it on yes. all night long. Trust us. We've had it on. Mice don't care. Mice, mice don't. <laughs> they don't care. It, it is true that mice aren't crazy about like stepping out into the light, but they have no qualms about running along your tires and up no. your jacks and all that sort and of stuff. And into your dark house no. at night while Not you're sleeping. At Not at all. No. <laughs> uh, okay. Next up, let's uh, let's talk about a couple sewer related oh, yes. things. Okay. So uh, I see posts on Facebook often about how a campsite has a terrible sewer hookup that is too high off the ground. Um, and people will say, well, there's no way you'll ever empty your tanks because poop doesn't run uphill. <laughs> but as long as your tank hmm. is above the drain, it's going to drain. You may have stuff <laughs> in the hose. You gotta lift the hose and, and, and get the hose to drain out. But along, as long as your tank, even if your tank is 10 feet in the, the air and the hose goes down 20 feet and then the, then the, sewer outlet is another 10 feet back up it will still drain so this is this is like an old saying you know yeah. if a tree falls in the woods yeah poop does it make run a up sound hill. yeah well if poop runs up a hill does it go into the sewer <laughs> yes so what what often brings this up is that people will say that you always need to have a sewer hose support in mm -hmm. order to make it you know flow downhill <laughs> um you you don't always need we don't use our sewer hose support Unless we're staying for a few days. I wish we used it more because I just think it's pretty. Well, it's nice. I just think it looks better. It keeps your hose nicer and a lot of campgrounds require it. Yeah, this um, is a conversation you and I have because I just think mowing, it looks better. But I don't, I don't take the time to do it when it's like when we're going to be camping when for two for days, seven days somewhere. <laughs> 14 days. Seven or 14, I'd use it. A whole month. But it often falls over and stuff too. It annoys me sometimes. It really does. I, I know. That's why it's never out. <laughs> uh, similarly, along those lines, uh, that you should always keep your, your gray and your black tanks closed because mm. of sewer flies. Now, you Ooh. should, let's start by saying you should always keep your black tank closed and only open it to dump. You should never 
pull it in a campsite, hook your sewer hose up, open your black tank, and leave it open while mm -hmm. you camp. Because what happens is the liquids run out and the solids stay in your tank. And then you get a pyramid. Yes. And that's not going no. to go uphill. No. 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 So you do want to always do that. Now, with the gray tanks, it's a little iffier. A lot of people leave them open all the time. We sort of do a mix. Some people never put a drop of food down their kitchen sink, right? Mm -hmm. So they they have like pristine water in their kitchen in their in their galley tank. Um, if you have multiple gray tanks, our gray tank, the way ours is set up, we have a gray tank that is for the bathroom. So it's the shower and the bathroom sink, and then we have one that's the galley for the kitchen. The shower bathroom sink one. I don't care if that is open all the time. There's never like chunks of things going down that. Mm -hmm. um, I usually, I usually don't leave it open constantly, but I'll open it like for many hours while we're showering. Showering, right? And we should say too that both of those, the shower and our sink in the bathroom, have a mesh strainer in them, mm -hmm. so that if by chance anything was to get through or was to be there, or the kids were to drop something in there, it gets caught. And so that's why, you know, and we have that in the kitchen as well, but it's just kind of a different situation, especially when you have kids and little people and, you know, they just eat and then they go and they yeah. toss their bowl. So and we have no qualms about using our kitchen sink, like a regular kitchen sink where, you know, we're not putting like chunks of stuff down it. No. Um, but if you're, you know, rinsing out a, a bowl that had soup in it or you're pouring milk out from cereal or whatever, I, you're washing your dishes in a normal yeah. way. We use it in a normal way. Now, I will still wipe out mm -hmm. bowls or, or any yeah. dishes we're using that are really heavily coated. And we did ask have someone ask us if we were concerned with because, you know, we're all into the smoothies these days and our blender. And we did have someone ask, are you guys concerned about pouring your smoothie down your sink? Like when in the kitchen, when you're done making yeah. it. And I said, not particularly, but what I do is I thin it out really, really I, for a, a long time. Yeah. Like I don't it, just, if we have any leftover, which we normally don't, but if we do, I don't just go and go clunk and dump that in there. I'll fill the whole thing back up with water, yeah. drain it a little, fill again, drain yeah. it. So it's about, you know, I say we wouldn't use it 100% like we would use it if we were in a sticks and bricks, but we're also not opposed to uh, not being very, very cautious with it. Yeah, and because we use it in that way, I don't like to have the galley tank open all the time because yeah. I don't want sediment to build up. So I do try to leave that one closed so it fills up with water and so that when I dump it, it's a big rush of all that water but it's out. also nice after you dump the black tank to have that gray tank come yeah. in behind so, it so that you're also yeah. flushing. So leaving the galley closed keeps us for when it's time to go and dump the gray tank, which or the black tank, I'm sorry, which we really only have to dump about every 10 days because we use a composting yeah. toilet and well, we're only doing liquids. Our, on this RV, though, it's a little different because oh, this is one, it? the black tank thought... has a separate outlet. Right. Oh, stop. So on ours, uh, on this one, the two grays are together and the black tank is on its own outlet. So it doesn't it matter. No, it's it's two separate ones. There's the, the black tank has its own one behind the wheel. So every time on this particular one, I dump the black tank, I have to do a black tank flush with the with the black tank flush in order to get all the liquid out. Then I unhook the hose, bring it over to the gray tank and flush the gray tank out to get anything out of the hose. 
Wow. I do, I do the galley tank first and then the gray tank. So the galley tank is just going to be the black tank first, which is the grossest. Then it's going to be the galley tank, which is the next grossest. And then it's going to be the bathroom gray tank, which is going to be mostly soapy shower water, the last thing that runs through. Boy, the times I pick to listen to you talk, that, <laughs> boy, that's not what I thought you said to me. I must not have really been listening. Yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes you don't pay attention to me. No, yeah. and you know what? I have, I mean, I learned something new today. That's great. I yeah. have no qualms but, in saying so, that's not what I do in this house. That's not my job. But back to um, the sewer flies, though. So a lot of people say the reason okay. that you have to close your tanks um, is because of sewer flies. Or, they, or they'll leave their gray tank open and they'll, they'll put a, uh, what they call a P-trap in the, uh, in the sewer hose mm -hmm. line, which works like a P-trap in your, your kitchen sink, where you've basically raised a section of it so that, uh, so that water stays in there always and that, no, and that no air is, can flow through. Um, and the reason they suggest that is because of sewer gases and sewer flies. But you already have a P-trap in, uh, in your bathroom sink, in your shower, in your kitchen sink. The only place you don't have a P-trap is in the uh, toilet, a, a standard RV toilet. That's why it has a seal, right? And you also have, uh, you have vents for your tanks that go up to your roof that vent out all the sewer gases. So there's really no reason for that for that particular reason, but also... Sewer flies don't come from the sewer. They they cannot swim. They cannot swim through sewage, right? They can't swim mm -hmm. through water. They are attracted to drains. They're a lot of people call them drain flies. So they actually come from the outside. They'll go down into your drain and lay eggs in your drain, and just be generally attracted to your drains because of the smells in your drains. But they originate from the outside. They don't come up through the sewer. Flies are so yeah. gross. We, we have had a few times where we have had sewer fly issues or fruit fly issues. Um, I, they're, I think they're the same insect, really. Uh, and we have had success with the sewer fly traps that they sell at the store that work with like a vinegar solution. So gross. And they're attracted to it and they drown themselves in it. So gross. They are gross. Next up, when we were talking to our buddy Josh, the RV nerd, Josh Winters, he he also brought up a, a couple more things that I thought were really interesting. Um, roof membranes on RVs. You know, so a lot of times you're shopping for an RV and they'll mm -hmm. tell you that it's a the, the roof has a 20-year warranty on it, right? <laughs> yeah. Josh says, if someone tells you it has an X-year roof warranty and doesn't explain what that means, then run, don't walk away. Because that... That warranty is only on the material. It's only on the actual roofing material. Okay. It's not on any of the seals. It's not on any of the the sort of standard stuff that actually ends up leaking, right? So it's it all it's saying. It's not on the construction. It's not on how they uh, on the plywood they used on the roof, the nails, any of any of that sort of stuff. It literally is just on that piece of of rubber or PVC that they used on your roof to cover it and that's not what's going to go bad and even if that does go bad he says that their their warranties are prorated so poorly that it often ends up being worthless anyway all rv roofs sort of need the same maintenance it's about those seals even if you have like a fiberglass um, class a rv it you still it that's still the same places where it's going to leak and you need to use 
uh, the same techniques to get up there and inspect and make mm -hmm. sure that your sealant is all intact on a regular basis. We recommend quarterly. Josh also had something to say uh, about <laughs> insulation. Josh had a lot to say. I really enjoyed reading <laughs> he had, all he had his a couple, responses. <laughs> he had a couple things to say about insulation. Uh, and I guess this goes back a little bit to the, 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 four, the four season, season as yep. well. If a manufacturer is claiming a ridiculous R value, an insulation value, for like a foil barrier, they're out of their minds. The foil, the foil <laughs> barriers have been proven to be nowhere near what they say the stated R values of them are. There have been many lawsuits about that as well. Along those lines, sometimes you'll see an RV manufacturer says, oh, the roof has a uh, an R37 and the walls are an R10 or an R7. Well, then your RV is is insulated to an R7 or an R10. Mm -hmm. Just because the roof is thicker doesn't mean you're getting any extra insulation. The roof insulation is only thicker because there's more room up there. That's <laughs> it. There's more room yeah. to lay fiberglass yep. insulation in your roof area, in that cavity up there. He also mentioned the dual pane windows that RV manufacturers sell are not the same as a dual pane window in your home where it's sealed and it has a gas barrier in between there and that really helps keep the cold and the heat out. Mm -hmm. On an RV, it's two pieces of glass that are glued together and it really doesn't offer any additional insulation value. It may reduce sound uh, outside, but uh, and it's, you know, it's a little bit better construction, but it's not going to be some sort of life-changing keep your RV mm -hmm. much, much warmer or much, much cooler sort of situation. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay. One more. One more. We've got one more. And then I think we have really busted. We've got, I've got two more on the list. Can I do them both? Because they're. I think they're both oh, good ones. So nice of you to ask permission. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. So the next one is that no ladder on your RV. So if your RV didn't come with a ladder, it means you can't walk on the roof. And that is not absolutely true. not true at all. And the Nor, fact that you have yes. an RV, <laughs> uh, the fact that you have a ladder does not mean that you can walk on the roof. Yep. We have seen RVs, especially Class Bs, that have stickers on them that say, do not walk on this roof, even though it has a ladder mm -hmm. on the back. Um, most trailers these days are do have walkable roofs up to a certain weight. Um but also, you can sort of reach everything on the roof with a ladder as long as you move a ladder along mm -hmm. the side of it. But generally, you're okay as long as you're um, – I'm, I'm getting close to that, <laughs> that way. As long as you're not uh, too heavy, you, you're usually okay walking, uh, walking up on an RV roof. And you should do it hands and knees. Don't – you know, not standing on your feet. Yeah, but. and – Figure all that out first before yeah. you get up there. Yeah. Like, yeah. don't get up there and then ask, like, oh, am I, should I be up here? Like, figure that out but before you get up there. But if you're buying an RV based on the ladder on the back and whether that means it's walkable or not, that is that is a myth. And uh, frankly, I don't find those ladders to mm, be very good don't. ladders and would rather carry my own ladder with me. At this point, they're more just extra storage. It's a they're way really to... for your bikes or your poop wagon. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's really what it's about now. It's just another way to put yeah. more storage on the outside of your RV. Okay, final myth. Okay. KOAs are overpriced and the sites are too close together. KOA is just a, 
uh, it's basically a marketing association. The campgrounds are as varied and different mm-hmm. as other campgrounds out there. Some of them are going to be like that, absolutely yes. for sure. Yes. Some of them are not. It, it it is a franchise change. So, ninety five percent of KOAs are not owned by KOA. They're owned mm-hmm. by individuals, right? So KOA does have a few corporate owned campgrounds, but most of them are individually owned or maybe they're owned by a smaller corporation, but they, they franchise them out just like a, a McDonald's or a Burger King mm-hmm. is a, is a fast food franchise, right? But McDonald's has very strict rules about the food you provide. We, you know, it's it's going to taste the mm. same. It's going to be exactly the same. the same. Taste the same. They have same cleaning. Whatever. Whatever. It's you get what you get at McDonald's. It's going to be pretty much the same at every McDonald's within a, you know, a, a range. That is not the case at KOA. No, KOA no. do not. They do not require their campgrounds to have the same rules. They don't have, require them to. All they require them to do is is basically use the KOA reservation system. Mm-hmm. They wear the yellow shirts. Um, they they pay. Some aesthetic <laughs> choices have to look within the world of a KOA. They do have to meet a minimum standard um, of some sorts. But in general, you, you, there's there's so many options. Yeah, I, this is like a, a, a myth busted, but also a myth truth a little bit. Because it really just is based on the campground. And the same can be said for individually owned private campgrounds heck the same can be said for state parks yeah. <laughs> national parks i can think of some national park service campgrounds where we are right up on our neighbor so i mean yeah. fort pickens well, comes to mind and uh, you, you know you have to compare that koa to the the private campground that you know the mythical private campground across the street from it like right. if you're saying this koa is too expensive uh, you're going to go here instead, and the here is 30 miles further away from what you want to be doing. It is uh, has no amenities whatsoever. Well, those are those are the actual reasons that KOA was more expensive. Mm-hmm. If there was a campground across the street that was not called KOA that had the same amenities, it would be the same price as the KOA. I mean, when we book a KOA either for a travel day stop or when we're in a popular location. The one thing I can always say about a KOA, and I can't really say it about any other privately owned, is I know exactly what I'm going to get. I know what's going to be there. I know how it's going to be set up. I know what's going to be available to me because, again, they do have these particular uh they want them to have Points. laundry. They want they them have, to have yes. some so, of the camping cabins. They want them to have a, at least a certain number of sites. They're, they're, they're minimum yeah. thing. All right. That's it for our RV myths. We would love to hear any myths that you might have yeah. in the comments on the YouTube video or anywhere on social media if you want to message us. Yeah, like the um, RV Miles Facebook group. That's a great place to go over and share your busted myth with us. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to check the level of our tanks. We shall be right back. Chances are you've seen them on the road. That's because Blue Ox has been designing and manufacturing some of the best towing products in the industry. Blue Ox is everywhere. Highways, campgrounds, anywhere you find people traveling in the great outdoors. Blue Ox produces award-winning tow bars and base plates, plus a full line of weight distributing hitches and a new lineup of adjustable ball mounts. With Blue Ox, towing doesn't have to be a drag. To learn more about how Blue Ox can make your travel adventures even more stress-free, visit blueox.com. 
We're back and it is time to check the level of our tanks. And Jason, as I am looking at your black tank, I think that you and I are about to have the same black tank without Seriously? really knowing it. Talk about Mine it? is, yours is specific. Mine is overall okay. encompassing. So why don't we just have a black tank discussion okay. together, That's Jason, fine. about network television game shows oh man well see now I, I no so i'll say this is why it's on my black tank we don't normally watch network yeah. television and we have been visiting with family and it has been on and i was floored by the number and days worth of game shows that are now flooding well, network television. It's summer, and that's part of it. Is that they're, they're you know it's the off season for sure. for a lot of the the big shows. But I, I'm I'm a little iffy on whether I'm joining you in this mutual black tank because I'm thinking of four network game shows that I have watched recently. One of them is my black tank. I know. The other three I enjoyed. I, see, this is where I'm at. It is so bad, and it's become so flooded. We're so saturated with them right now that all CBS knows what to do with itself is to just just do the prices right at night. I they love don't the even prices know. right. I know you love the it was, prices right. It was great at but, night because the prizes were huge. Oh the prizes were there. They were yeah, with those left and right. C-list celebrities. And who was that even? By the way. Who was that? I don't know what that was all about. But by the way, on virtually uh, at least half of these game shows, they were giving away RVs. I know. It was wild. Um, I love game shows. I, it's not that. The prices just... light. The prices Right was fun. Press Your Luck. I love the return of Press Your Luck oh, because I love it. that show. I'm over it. Uh, and I love Elizabeth Banks. I just love it. the whammies. You got to love the whammies. I don't. And uh, and I, Weakest Link with Jane Lynch. I th oh, actually no. thought I was, that, I was all in for that. Oh, man. that I had to leave the room because I was like, if I hear one more, dun, 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 dun. Like uh, every five the, seconds, the lights come down the, and we get a big dramatic boom, 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 boom. lots of commercials, too. So uh, much. I but can't. the one, the, the, the black tank for me was... Of these shows, the first new game show, yeah. which is Generation Gap oh, on that was, ABC with that was Kelly awful. Ripa. I was, I was so kind bad. of excited about watching this I from the previews, are. and so I so I sat down and watched it with uh, with a couple of the kids and with your dad. So Generation Gap is a show where they have like somebody from an older generation, usually like a grandmother, or grandfather, and uh, and somebody that is fairly young somebody mm -hmm. like 10 to 13 that is usually their grand grandson granddaughter that they partner with yeah. and they ask the older person questions about the younger generation they ask the younger generations questions about the older generation the problem with the show is nobody knew any of the answers so none of them they, they'll, they'll show like a photo of shirley temple and be like who is this to a 13 year old I didn't know who Shirley Temple was when I was 13, and I'm 41. I did. There's just a uh, – it, it, it just – it's so difficult to watch a game show where, where the no contestants are not winning. Yes. They're and, set up to look like idiots. And the show is so low budget. There, are, <laughs> You know what? That's part of my problem and why this is all getting blacked yeah. tank is a lot of it is super low budget. I mean, and some of it isn't, but we're bringing back so many. I think like, what is it? That pyramid one that's coming back. The whammy one is here. 
my gosh, y'all, like Peyton Manning is executive producer of a game show that's getting ready to launch. And on top of that, I got to watch Rob Riggles discuss mini golf competitions. Like, the, what is That show happening? I was very excited about when we watched it last year. And it, that was a, that it was was a downer such a bomb. for me, too. Yeah. I, all I yeah. want, really, all I really want is for us to bring Wipeout back. But not the Wipeout that's over there on oh, Cable Network. You Wipeout. give me those two guys who had the same name, the John and the John. Yeah. Remember John, John, and John? Anderson and, and and John whatever. Yeah. Bring them back. Yeah. They're so bad. They were awful. They were the, the jokes were so bad they were good. Bring me that wipeout back. That's all I want. Or give me the UK version one and see what Richard Hammond is up to yeah. because I could use that in my life. Other than that, I don't I I don't there's so many game shows on TV right now and all your choices are and I get it it's summer, but like all of our choices are either game shows or reality television. It, it's weird because we, I, I think we watch more TV in the summer yes, than the rest of the year. And that's the opposite. And that's why they do this. Yes. We're the opposite of everybody else. And we kind of, in, even in our travels, we slow down often in the summer. Mm. So, we, so we get I, caught with summer TV. I have sat down in three weeks, maybe two or three times <laughs> to watch television just to like lay on the couch yeah. and zone out. And I was like, all my choices are either game shows or reality television and i, I just I, I it's yeah i can't it's boring I, yeah. we don't need all of this we can be more creative i really do believe we can be more creative thank goodness the bachelorette has started because now i've got yeah. some real quality super creative super yes. quality television to keep me going <sighs> through the rest of the summer all right what is in your fresh tank this week uh my fresh tank is uh no boundaries no boundaries is the the brand from forest river that makes um, sort of uh, small off-grid type RVs that are towable by a smaller vehicle that you can really get out there in. Uh, one of the issues with this type of trailer for a long time has been the suspension. That's an issue with all our trailers is that suspension isn't that great on most of them. Um, but particularly for getting off-road and out in the mm -hmm. middle of nowhere, you, you don't want to bang your trailer up, right? Mm -hmm. You want it to be able to make the journey down a washboard road and, and over some bumps and, and, and boulders. And No Boundaries has partnered with Kurt, which is the company that makes lots of uh, trailer towing-related products, uh, including suspensions, to... Uh, to put on what they're calling the beast mode suspension. And this is a, this is something that Kurt is, is selling for other brands as well, but it is independent suspension on all four wheels of a no boundaries trailer as an option. So mm -hmm. each wheel has its own really rugged suspension with off-road springs and shocks on it. Oh, that's, that's cool. so rare. There are a couple other brands that have been doing this, but they're really boutique. This is the first that I know of that a major RV brand is doing this. That's cool. All right. Yeah. So there's a video on it that they have on their uh, uh, on their YouTube page, and I will link to that in the show notes for this episode. All right. What is in your fresh tank this week? So my fresh tank this week is a podcast that uh, actually features my brother. So my brother, Jason Trebu, is a Kansas City drummer. He's... Uh, been in several bands. He's currently the drummer for the band, The Casket Lottery. But he is also a production manager and a tour manager for major bands all across the country. He's been, uh, I think right now he's with Alanis Morissette. He just wrapped up 
the garbage tour where they were opening for Tears for Fears. He's worked with Band of Horses, Jimmy Eat World, which he'll be back out on tour with them in the fall. And so he was interviewed for a podcast called Having a Blast with Kyle Devlin. That's the name of the podcast. And it's the latest episode. It's the Jason Trebu from the Casket Lottery is the name. And so my brother is probably one of the hardest working people in show business. He is an incredibly hard worker. He's an incredibly talented individual. And I can only say that because he doesn't listen to this podcast. So I don't ever have to worry about him hearing me say nice things about him. That's very important to our relationship that we keep that dynamic. Uh, (laughs) So, but I'm very, very proud of my brother. He's 22 months younger than I am. I cannot believe my parents thought having two under the age of two was a good idea, but they did. Um, And this is a really fascinating from, you know, it's an hour and a half of just getting, if you want to know a little bit more about uh, what it was like growing up as a Trebu and the things that we did as kids and what led pretty much all four of us to some kind of either art focused career, or we are all, uh, we are all, entrepreneurs in our own way, all in some respects, small business owners. Uh, None of us really took a, I guess, for lack of a better word, conventional route for um, professional careers. And so I know he talks a little bit uh, about that and like some of the things that, you know, is growing up. But uh, it's. I just thought I would plug it, and if anyone's interested in, in hearing what my brother has to say about his uh, life in the music industry, then you should head over to Having a Blast with Kyle Devlin. I will link to it uh, in the description for the video, as well as in the show notes on whatever audio podcast app you're listening to. Great. That's it for this week's episode of the RV Miles podcast. That is it. Ooh, it's It was a big one this week. I feel like I, I learned so much. So many myths have been busted for me. I just, I won't try to climb on the roof anymore. Like there's just so many things I learned about this episode, Jason. <laughs> yes, Thank you so much. so much time up there. I do. I do. I really <laughs> do. I'm, you know, actually I learned a lot today. I learned how our, our sewer hookup system works today yeah, you're gonna I... you're gonna learn a lot closer we're gonna have a, we're gonna have some lessons <laughs> no i don't want lessons yeah. teach it to the kids they can go out and learn how to do it uh, our thanks to josh winters as well josh the rv nerd for providing us some of these tips as well we just so appreciate you josh so Thank you for joining us again, even though it was just through the written word. If you have questions for Jason and I, you can always find us over at the RV Miles Facebook group or at editor at rvmiles.com. And I know that Amazon Prime Day has passed. We missed it. But if you are still shopping on Amazon and you would like to support RV Miles, you can head over to amazon.com slash shop slash RV miles and anything you purchase in the Amazon sphere will help support our show and it will cost you nothing extra. So thank you to all of you who continue to do that for us. We appreciate the support. Other than that, we hope that you continue to enjoy your summer, that you stay safe and you keep logging those RV miles. Bye everybody. We'll see you next week.